streets are burning, burning up with nightlife of its own. And a thousand sounds I close the door when I am on my own. But I'm not sleeping, shut the door, but I am not alone. No city lights.
Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, a bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout and Foxy Digitalis. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato. Here on the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. We started off this week's show with City Lights, title track off of The Shadow Ring's first album from 1993. And we followed that up with something called Sarah Crazy Child from John's Children, who were a short-lived British freak beat group that featured Mark Bolin, who of course later went on to form T-Rex. This track was selected by Graham Lampkin, whom we're happy to have joining us once again on the podcast show for this week. We recently had a chance to speak with Lampkin about the forthcoming Shadow Ring double LP collection called Remains Unchanged, as due out on his Kai label in the coming weeks. This collection is made up of all unreleased material and charts an alternate yet equally fascinating history of Lampkin's former group who created a singular body of work within the decade they were active between the years 1993 and 2003. So in addition to airing that interview on this week's show, we'll also be playing several selections from that new Remains Unchanged collection and we'll also be playing some other Shadow Ring tracks taken from their full-length releases and like the John's Children track, a few additional songs selected by Graham as fair examples of the music that influenced the Shadow Ring during particular periods. And then to close out the show, we'll also play some other recent releases that have come out on Kai. So we'll get things started here, where we're discussing the process of compiling the Remains Unchanged release. So how, how long in the making was this uh, Remains Unchanged release that you just put out? Well, the idea was kind of seeded when I was putting together the life review and I was finding these tracks, some of which I have recall of and some were lying on unmarked tape boxes. And I, there was, uh, was uh, timestamps on the things, but no titles. So I'm curious what these things are, but I never actually got round. I never dedicated the time to going through every single tape and figuring out what was what and of course a lot of them were recorded on different types of four track which I no longer had and if I was going to do this I had to you know repurchase those machines second hand and whatnot that took a long time um, but then it started to dawn on me as as the as the catalog was reviewed that there was a fair bit of stuff and there might be an album's worth and as it you know progressed I realized there was I make the case a decent double album um, and it ended up with Remains Unchanged. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, looking at that pile of tapes and stuff that you had, were you guys pretty, I mean, did you document most of the sessions that you had? I mean, I'm, I was trying to think of this, I mean, I can't imagine you guys just like, let's get together and jam like a jam band. I mean, I'm thinking a lot of their songs were sort of meant to be recorded on the spot. Was that the case? Yeah, uh, not not exclusively, but for the most part, that's how we'd work. I mean, you have there's evidence of that on the record. You get an earlier version of Hold On To ID, mm-hmm. which we recorded like 12 months before the version that uh, gave us the Hold On To ID album. Mm-hmm. That was kind of recorded during Waxwork Echo sessions, but for whatever reason, it wasn't used. Um, but we would have uh, some idea of what we were going to do, and... Yeah, and everything was recorded. We never just sort of got together and thought, oh, you know, we do music. We always got together for a session at a certain time with a certain agenda. And um, 
but we were never actually recording for an album at that point. We were just recording and recording and then taking pause and reviewing what we'd done and thinking, well, this could make a good album or a good 7-inch. Whereas in, in the later years, when we weren't living in the same country anymore, obviously you'd have to make a, a commitment to the time we're going to have together. We'd better get an album out of this. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of assembling this collection, I mean, was this something that you guys collaborated on together? I mean, you mentioned that you spent a great deal, a great deal of time sifting through the material. Were you yeah. bouncing back, like, track selections and choices like that? With, Not with really. Um, there, there were a couple of mixed-down um, prototype records that I didn't have copies of. I have masters of everything. But I would talk about this stuff with Tim, and he'd say, would you remember when we ran that sequence together and that was going to be side A of such and such? And, you know, I'd draw a blank, and then he'd send me his his tapes. So I'd go, oh, there was that thing we were going to do at the end, and then I'd go back and find it. And, you know, so they had a hand in it, but they left the final selection to me. Okay. Well, one thing about this release is, to me anyway, it doesn't sound like this really pieced together odds and end collection. I mean, the material really does hold up to some of your some of your best work with you know throughout the decade that you were active. And I was just wondering, in terms of overall track sequencing and stuff, uh, were you kind of re- did the format of the LP or the double LP format sort of shape how you went about that? I mean, I'm thinking back to you know, like Life Review being a double L- or a double CD, kind of playing straight through. I mean, did you sort of format this along those lines at all? I did, um, very much so. I mean, the first record, the cl- that people always talk about the trajectory of the Shadow Ring as having two periods, the, the early uh, Dry Leaf Silkbreeze era and then the Swore Radio period. So there's the, the clear division there for the two records. And then it was just divvying it up. And it ended up very nice because side A is all material from the first two, I say, studio records. And then side B is where Tim joins the picture and it covers the Waxwork Echoes and the early Hold On to ID era. Then you flip to side C and um, that takes you into the Swirl Radio period. Side C being Lighthouse Lindus. And then side C is given over exclusively to I'm Some Songs period work, which as the band sound was becoming more extrapolated, I thought it deserved to have more time to show that. So the whole side is, is I'm Some Songs stuff. You know, stepping back when that was complete, I mean, were you almost... I don't want to say surprise, but I guess maybe that's the word. But were you? Su- no, I was surprised I, at how nicely that I mean it really came together in that sense. Yeah, I was pleased with this with the sequence. There's a few things that uh, you know I had to toss a coin whether it was going to make it or not. Um, but I'm happy with what we ended up with, and Darren and Tim have heard it, and a few other people have heard it, and it seems to have uh, won their approval. So that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to jump into and play a few tracks here off of the new record in this set. I'm going to start with something called Squawk With Me, uh, which there are actually two versions on the album, one from the City Light Sessions, and then this one here that we're going to play from Put the Music in Its Coffin, uh, that session. What do you recall about the changes this song went through and how it, I guess, reappeared later on, and were there other versions of it too? Uh, well, I, there's actually kind of like three versions on the record. Mm-hmm. Just one of them doesn't have that time. Re- oh, yeah, um, true. Yeah. I don't 
really remember much about that track on the City Lights version. My impression is that it was probably uh, not chosen because it sounded a little bit like um, Cave of Seaweed or something like that, one of the lumbering, slower numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think we were conscious of having something of each flavor so, so it didn't seem to samey. Uh, but I do remember doing the second version because we just got the new electric guitar and we were all about that. So you can hear us uh, giving that a workout. Yeah. Um, why it didn't end up on the record, I don't know. Uh, that, that, but And then there's this third version I just made a reference to, but it was called Birds and Booze and that was another thing from Put the Music which didn't make it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, looking back, I wonder why, because there's some stuff on that record I think's, you know, far inferior to just to squawk with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and play it. This is Squawk yeah, With Me from the new yeah. record called Remains Unchanged. Form of grime, Graham illustrates, plate of dust, magnets pick up, you fall of light, that Darren does not know of such.
peace, at peace with life, hold the side, a strayed arm, a, a strayed rake goes, and this good bird dies. Around my waist and in the frying pan, I 
animal oil is hot like caveman. I crack, then I crack like the cage of hen's eggs. Cold yellow yolk that makes it with my face. Toads and frogs swim down my face. They lay their small nests in my liver and heart. I smell the meat is nearly cooked. I smell I am Mr. Horse Meat Cakes. First time, I know it's gonna work out just fine. I know it's gonna work out just fine. I wait and wait, stand right figure at the door. Blood runs, pumping heat into my eye. I feel like I've just eaten a horse's head. So stand up and raise your hands into your heart. If you feel like a boiled horse's head, the dark green veins and pockets of fat, the pillow of red meat and the smell of rats. creature and if you'd like a copy afterwards copies are available behind the bar thank you Right out. 
feathered stock, away from sunlight and calm. I hear them screaming, prattling on, yet cannot see them in this dark. A stray claw comes up and out of its skin and carves a red rose into my arm. The beaks of its flesh thirsty tongue lap up liquids from my cups.
come up to the altar And the fear showed stark in his eyes The priest poised above sees his chanting And the moonbeams danced on the
They slide their way through jungles, they crawl and swarm through swamps. But the things you can always explain as the wind and the telegraph wires and the mice and the rats and the Sounds not just heavy breathing, it's mice and rats and You had mentioned uh, when you were on the show last time that Hold On to ID was sort of the apex of the first phase of the Shadow Ring. And then after that, you sort of began to dismantle things. So I was wondering how like, the involvement of Scott and Carla of Idea Fire Company or Swill Radio you know, played into these later recordings or the second phase that you had mentioned. And I guess generally how those sessions unfolded compared to your earlier albums, you know, as the focus seemed to shift away from... Uh, you know, from, I guess, guitar and drums or percussion to more focus on pure voice, raw electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Scott and Carlo are only really active on the Lighthouse record. Um, but the, I do remember the distinction that we were trying to make with that record as a, to contrast what came before. We were wanted to, like, abandon the... Uh, idea that we were going to walk away from these sessions with an album of songs it really didn't matter at that point you know we would take we were sort of spread out more over the double album which we never had the luxury of that much space and it was going to be much looser much more theatrical uh um just much more than just an album with 10 songs on it I guess it's like you people you could say well, he's just talking about a concept record or something and yeah maybe that maybe that would stand up mm-hmm. but um yeah just just using the space on wax to try and do something more than you know 10 songs mm-hmm. what were you looking for i mean not only to the space but as as a group were you sort of looking to move beyond songs or just song forms to some extent as you were moving into that later period? Uh, yeah, just to sort of uh, 
stopped holding the idea of working towards a song with such reverence and just enjoy playing with the idea of, of you know coming up with what you can and half of it is sort of inescapable it's going to end up sounding sort of like a song but how far you could stretch that before it stops sounding like a song and starts sounding like something else entirely mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's the line we're trying to trying to find mm-hmm. in the same way that like uh, you know ATV tried to dismantle the punk template with vibing up the senile man you know mm-hmm. that was a record we all admired it seemed very brave and kind of cool that they would want to do this to themselves right well well lighthouse for me which you've already mentioned it, it kind of rem- it's one of my favorite shadow ring albums first and I, I was just wondering can you provide some if there is some backstory on this album and i guess how some of the the themes and the narratives develop over the course of this album as a whole and i guess you talked about this idea of concept album and i you know was that the case i guess no i i meant concept album that someone could level the charge at us so that's what we were trying to do okay. i didn't really see it as a concept album um i just the themes there's not really a clear story. I don't, you know, it was a long time ago. I remember certain things about it. I remember us uh, planning out a lot of it when we'd be, you know, drinking in pubs along uh, the coast. And I guess the sort of, you know, the the ambience leaves an impression on you anyway. It's a very lonely place down there. And there were lighthouses and Dungeness Lighthouse. There's a lighthouse bar. You know, these these ideas are already uh, cemented. Mm-hmm. It's not total fantasy, but uh, populating it with Arthur and Tina and um, all the other people, um, yeah, I guess that's where you sort of start adding your, a bit of color to it and having fun with it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play something from the Lighthouse sessions. It's called Alcove Hair in Hand mm. uh, from the new record. Um, can you set up this track for us? Is there anything particular that you recall about this recording? Yeah, session? I remember that one very clearly. Alcove Hair and Hand is actually uh, kind of a potted history of how the Shattering met and how they got together. And it talks about um, taking two thirsty friends and you know who uh, had a third member and all the, the way the lyric talks about it, almost like you're cutting people out of sheets of paper. Um, but then at the end, it, it the last line is something like, don't you think there are too many bands? So it's, the whole thing was like, well, it was a waste of time anyway. We don't need another band. So that song was kind of a, you know, a poke at ourselves. It was probably going to fit somewhere on the full side because it was recorded on the same tape as Arthur and Tina and uh, Egmont Bassa. It was from those sessions. Mm-hmm. And it has that kind of sparseness. It really pushes the limit. You can't really call it a song. Right, right. But someone described it, Matt Crafting described it quite well on his blog. As a, a, it, it is a song, but it's just so rotten. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's hear that song. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we should play that one. <laughs> All right. So, well, here it is. This is uh, Alcove, Hair in Hand. Yeah. Good, good. One, two, three. Stand by. Stand by, hair and hand. Alcove, hair and hand. Imagine two old enemies 
cut out and rearranged as friends. That's what two did. Add one for three, and then you can mix in outside help. Americans will always help you out, all my friends say. Hold up your hand, alcove, hair and hand. Don't you think there are too many flags? Stand by, stand by, hair and hand. Alcove, hair and hand. Now take two thirsty friends and paste them onto a scene. A third appearing in the aisles fits into the template drafted. Draft spirits in the aisles. Imagine this scene. Hold up your hand, alcove, hair and hand. Hold up your hand, alcove, hair and hand. Hold up your hand, alcove, hair and hand. Don't you think there are too many bands? We used to carry plastic knives, like a pack of diseased animals. We'd hang out in the tunnels, by the bridge that leads to the riverside. I used to see their faces in the river, hear voices in the water. I'd stand there for hours at a time, just peering out across the waves, thinking about nothing much. We lost young Ron at the riverside. Reminded me of a rubbery leech, he grabbed me by the old army van. He said he was not a military man, but provoked he and I would fight. One of us would come off worse. The water pushed us both apart. He managed somehow to break free. He cracked mind blocks with blows and chops. And I respected him for that, I suppose. And I knew who would come off worse.
Just coming around by Folkestone Harbour now. For some reason the security guard in the dome was giving me suspicious looks. Must be 
someone with a problem Must be someone who's enclosed Just like the dead Isolation In a strange world I'm looking your face
at this stage after after releasing this record now do you have any plans to you know release any further shadow ring releases or reissues or anything at that uh, down the road i'll i'll know the answer to that once i see how well this thing sells if there's an interest then yeah i'll do it i would like to serve them all in a better way than they have been served um but at the same time you know if this is if this meets with a lukewarm response it's probably not going to happen mm-hmm. have you considered putting out life review as as a double lp in, at all oh, i can no i never considered that mm-hmm. um i sort of envisage that as a cd only project mm-hmm. um i i had no idea which, which formats were, were popular then um so I chose CD, and it turns out people love records again. So <laughs> that's why, that's why I had to uh, switch formats to yeah. you know to be in the marketplace. Of that. Right. I personally like CDs. Yeah. Well, completely switching gears here, I was I was going to ask you kind of what you've been up to in terms of your own work, and um, kind of your friend and collaborator Jason Luskalit has had. Several mm. several great things come out here in the past few He's months. He's been a busy boy. He has, yeah. Um, have you guys started to work on your follow-up to Air Supply at all? No, no. Okay. We're talking about it, and uh, it's gonna. we are going to start. Hopefully, we're going to go to Folkestone. Oh, okay. We're going to go to England uh, next month to do some shows, and uh, we're trying to see if we can get some free time to go down to Folkestone together and record in the same places where I... I started recording. That's and that is your hometown, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Are there any other things, you know, like for you as a, your solo work? Are you are you working on that at all? I haven't done a thing no, <laughs> not since amateur doubles. Just focusing on your artwork and things like that. Yeah, my, yeah. I'm I'm not a compulsive recorder. Mm-hmm. Only when I have an idea, I've done. You know, I've done more visual stuff over the summer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your label Kai has really started to gain some momentum over the past few years. You know, you've maintained a fairly regular release schedule. You know, as a person who put out records in the 90s, what's your recent experience been like in regards to running the label? Were you talking about the Dryleaf Discs label? Yeah, yeah, like the early oh, stuff that you put um, out. Well, it's, very, it's much easier to do it over here, I think, than in England. As of my impression of it now looking back it's frustrating as well having to wait for things and you know. like i'm doing this shadowing thing and i've got everything here i've got the sleeves here the posters are here i've got lp number one here but there's no lp2 yet <laughs> now when you hand in a project there's a double album when you think that they'd push it through as one project not split it into two separate ones and then you get lost between bonnie tyler's greatest hits and you know, something else. Right. Waiting for your, waiting for your turn. Right, right. Well, so I, I'm going to play a, a something from the next, uh, or some of the recent Kai releases here in this next set. Um, can you mention any other projects or releases that you have coming out in the works? Uh, I've got several things I'm planning on, but I can't really say too much about them yet because they haven't been finalized. The only thing we have... I'm working on now is we're going to do an album, an album, sorry, of early live Idea Fire Company. Oh, okay. Scott gave me his uh, tape archive and left me to pick tracks from like the 
96 to 98, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, different band than the one you'd know now. Um, really good. Great guitar playing by Scott as well. So these are really good tapes. So I'm going to do that, and that'll probably be the last thing that comes out this year. And okay. I'm working on things for next year. So I'm going to play something here starting off this next set from something from The Bulls, which, uh, looking at the personnel, this is part of the same group that made up uh, Vincent Over the Sink. And um, tell us about The Bulls. Was this sort of before or after that group? I believe it's uh, concurrent with that group. Okay, okay. Could be wrong. But it's it's the late Christopher Schuler and Matthew Hopkins from Vincent Over the Sink. And they're joined by Mary McDougall. Mm-hmm. And I think they were only around for a few months. Just did a few shows. Everything was recorded on the dictaphone by Matthew. And uh, when I asked him if he had anything else he wanted me to release in the vein of Vincent Over the Sink, he suggested that I hear this. And uh, so we put this together. I, I just said, yeah, that's great. And he said, thank you. And then we just went ahead and did it. <laughs> and, then, and this is the only thing that they've ever released, is that right? Uh, to my knowledge, yeah, there may be some private CDR somewhere, but this okay. is the first first thing I'm aware of. Okay. Well, this is uh, Worrywart uh, from the Bulls 7-inch.
listening to a track from Aster from the recent album called Alcor that Kai put out and that's going to wrap things up for us this week I want to thank Graham once again for taking the time to speak with us on the show this week and going a step further and providing some other tracks for us to play throughout the show again that remains unchanged LP will be out very very soon And you can keep posted on that at kairecords.blogspot.com. You can follow the links on our blog here. 
and that'll definitely be available at the usual mail order sites. But if you have any questions for me, you can shoot me an email at fffreakout at hotmail.com. Otherwise, check back in a few more weeks. We'll have another sort of straightforward show coming up with a bunch of new music, reissues, and whatnot. So thanks for tuning in.